Hey, hello, how are you? This is a show for everyone else. Instead of going after top 1% of the world, we dedicate this podcast to celebrate the lives of the unsung heroes and self-made artists. Hi there, you're listening to the Phase World Podcast. This is your host, Fei Wu. Today on the show, I'm joined by Terry Hanson Mead, who is a San Francisco Bay Area native, a helicopter pilot, an angel investor, and a kick-ass female entrepreneur. Yeah, I mean, people probably at this point, they might not know that you're living in the heart of the Silicon Valley. And I love the TV show Silicon Valley. It makes me, <laughs> it's so funny and being coming from the tech um, background. But tell me, how do you, in case you have seen a few episodes already, how true is that? I mean, what are some of the things we don't know about living in Silicon Valley? So what's funny is initially when I saw that, I couldn't, I so cringed and, you know, because I'd see it on an airplane. And then finally, I think, I, I don't know what it was. I got suckered into it. And <laughs> whenever I fly, because we don't have a TV. So whenever we fly, I'll, I'll watch it. And I, oh my gosh, it is really sad and pathetic how much of that is true um, and how it's, I haven't watched it in a couple of months, but um, no, it's, it's really sad. Living in Silicon Valley uh, you and I were talking before about how we live in a bubble here, and it's really easy to get caught up in living here and thinking that the rest of the world is like this. And I am incredibly, I feel incredibly fortunate and privileged to have been born and raised here. I've never lived, really never lived anywhere but the Bay Area. And my husband is also from the Bay Area. So it's... It's I'm I'm both glad to be here and other times I try to make sure to take my kids out of this area to make sure that they realize that this is not the way the rest of the world operates or exists. There is such craziness here. So with the angel investing and um, seeing as many startups as I do and and talking to as many VC people, we've lost a sense of reality in some cases and we me and my husband especially really try to make sure that we stay grounded. But there are times that I can get really caught up in it. And then I have to take a step back and breathe and go, is this really what I want? Is this, is this how I want to operate in the world? And so I'm constantly trying to find the right balance between the reality and the, the craziness of everything that's going on here. And, and I also have to ask the questions like, okay, if I'm questioning this, is it because I'm not one of the Bitcoin billionaires and is it a cop-out? Or do I really want to be different in the world than some of the other people that I see? And one of the things I'm working on is with a lot of people is to create an alternate funding source or an alternate funding ecosystem for female founders and founders of color who don't have access to the same capital that your typical bro, white bro has access to. And we can be so deluded into thinking that there's only one way of doing things. And at the same time, I'm fighting for something that's a little bit different to make it so that we're getting closer to leveling the playing field and creating these opportunities. But I do have to step back and say, okay, am I doing this because I'm copping out? Because I don't 
think I can get access to all of that capital? Or am I doing this because this is the right thing to do? So there's this constant mental negotiation that's happening or this mental battle that's happening to make sure that I'm taking advantage of what's here, but at the same time, I'm not getting so caught up into it to realize that it's just that we live in a crazy, crazy place. I mean, I, I love what you're transitioning into right now. And I have to say that the, the when we think about and talk about that there's only one thing to do anything, it just simply is not true. You know, we look at successive examples of Elon Musk and all the people we talked about at the beginning of the show versus, you know, what you and I talked about on your show of making money as a podcaster, that how difficult it can be. So the moment I heard that, oh, you need at least, you know, two, three million downloads in order to make money. And I realized there must be another way. Otherwise, there's no, uh, yes, people can do it for the passion of it. But maybe there's somewhere in between that people can make money connections and so since you start talking about the business side of um, what you do, and I'm very curious uh, in learning more about, you know, angel investing and, you know, what you, what you do for, you know, women and, and minorities, maybe in the U.S. or worldwide. Tell me a little, bo- a little bit more about what is that you do there. Yeah. And the consulting that I talked about funds my investing habit as I, as I'm now calling it, cause I absolutely love it. So the angel investing, I started, uh, about three years ago, I was talking to a friend of mine. He happens to be a helicopter pilot. And I was saying to him, Hey, you know, I'm bored. I'm tired of being stuck in this really old and archaic, uh, life sciences technology space with, you know, Google and Twitter and Facebook and all of these startups around here. I'm like, there's gotta be a way to really access some of this technology and bring life science especially biotech and med device, into the 21st century. And so I started doing angel investing. And just like with the helicopter flying, I decided to do it and I just jumped right into it. I didn't do much research. I didn't look at any groups beyond Sandhill Angels. And I didn't take any classes. A lot of women generally want to learn as much as they can, research it before they go into it. Um, We have our our various different complexes about needing to be 110% qualified for anything that we do. And what's ironic is the things that I've jumped into without overthinking them have ended up being some of the best decisions and the happiest times of my life. So what I realized in Investing through Sandhill Angels is I learned so much. Uh, Sandhill Angels is about 115 people. We're based here in the Silicon Valley. And about 15 of the members are women, so primarily men. A lot of older gentlemen who've been through semiconductor and not a whole heck of a lot of diversity. And what I realized in my in my two years of being with Sandhill is that I really wanted to do do I wanted to do well and do good in my investing. And I was really looking for investments that w- who had founders and startups that aligned with my own values. And what I'm finding is that that is really a very female tendency is we want to do well and do good. We don't want to necessarily have ROI at all costs. And at the same time, you know, I'm kind of looking at having consistent doubles and triples. So I'm not swinging for the fences and I'm hoping that my percentages end up over time. All of my, all the startups I've invested in are are still alive. Well, you know, raising successful subsequent rounds that, you know, I can beat the 5% return average of VCs in the U.S., which means that 95% don't have good returns, you know. 
so what I'm trying to do is I really see an opportunity in investing in founders with startups that are appealing to the rest of us. So, so much has been defined and designed, especially in the tech space, by men for men. And yet there's so many of us who don't necessarily align with that. And so now we're really seeing a shift. And I'll say the one political thing, the one good thing that came out of the Trump election is that a lot of us have activated in a way that we hadn't been activated before. And we're saying, hey, we're not going to put up with this anymore. We want things that are designed by us and for us. And the same thing of founders of color, same thing with um, LGBTQ plus founders and I'm seeing a huge market opportunity. And I moderated a panel in Helsinki at Slush on shifting demographics and the need for investors to shift with that. And if they don't shift fast enough, this is where this whole separate funding ecosystem needs to come into play, where we try to get primarily female investors, new women investors investing in the things that we need in the world. Do we need another Facebook? Do we need another Twitter? No, we don't necessarily need another one of those. So then why don't we invest in other things that the world actually needs? And so I mentor through some various different accelerator programs. Uh, I advise, I'm advising a fashion tech startup in New York City. I'm going to be mentoring ADA, which is an accelerator. Like They're trying to get more female founders and entrepreneurs in Berlin. So I'm going to be starting with that, I think, in June. And constant as a, as a natural connector, I'm constantly looking for ways to introduce people to each other, whether they're investors to investors, investors to startups, or even resources to resources to continue to build what I'm calling this mesh network of support in order to get more money into the hands of these female founders, founders of color, LGBTQ plus founders, because money is power and we really need to see a shift in order to really level the playing field. So this is an area, angel, angel uh, investing is an area or investing in general I, I, is the type of knowledge I'm lacking greatly and something I've been teaching myself, you know, as an adult. So what is your, um, to help me understand, what is your role? Are you a consultant to this company or are you like an advisor? Um, what, what is your role? So it's funny that you mentioned that about not being educated in the angel investing space. So just today, I wrote a Medium post because I keep getting asked about resources that I would recommend for anybody trying to get into angel investing or into venture. So that's out on my my Medium post, which you can be found on, I think, Terry Hansen Mead. And just next week on my podcast, I'm going to start a series on angel investing in terms of you know what I've experienced, what I've learned, how I've operate, how I operate, things that I attend, just as uh, as a supplement to my normal podcast. So that'll just be ten minutes a week, starting next week, because there are a lot of people who are very curious about it, who don't know much about it, and especially for women or people of color who have not been raised with it or, or exposed to it, it feels like this really crazy, mysterious, hard to get into thing. I would say that that's the case for um, venture. It's a total bro network. It's super hard to break into. But angel investing, I think we have we have room in there. So I invest in companies. So I I write checks to for the for for two years. I was investing through Sandhill Angels. So we would see various different startups, and then some of us would say, "Yeah, we want to put money in." So we would pool our money and and invest together into a particular startup. So over the course of two years, I invested in seven different startups, 
And I doubled down and tripled down on some, which meant that they raised subsequent raises. And I believed so much in what it was that they were doing that I wrote second checks and third checks. Hi there, you're listening to the Phase Roll the Podcast. This is your host, Fei Wu. Today on the show, I'm joined by Terry Hanson Mead, who is a San Francisco Bay Area native, a helicopter pilot, an angel investor, and a kick-ass female entrepreneur. Sorry, I was just wondering, uh, I don't know the, you know, how confidential that type of information is. If you can uh, reveal the name of those organizations, could you give, give us a sense of what types of uh, organizations they are? Oh, I would absolutely love to. Uh, I love, sh- I'm, I am actually really proud of the, of the startups that I've invested in. The first one that I invested in is a company called My Health Teams. It's based in San Francisco and they were raising their series B and their series C round. So it's a little bit later than what I normally invest in. But when I saw what they were doing, I could not help but invest. And what they do is they provide, and now I'm going to go back on what I said, social media platform for people with chronic illnesses who are surrounded by people who don't know what it's like for them to live with those diseases. So whether it's Crohn's or breast cancer, or they have 28 different diseases, fibromyalgia, autism, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, diabetes, eczema. So 28 different diseases, maybe it's up to 29. And so what these people can do is is share information in a safe place to get access to potentially information about drugs or homeopathic or clinical trials. So it really gives them a great resource so that they can take control of their lives and the diseases around it and feel less like victims of the situation or lost without resources. In this day and age, we have to become our own advocates with our healthcare. The second one I invested in was Sandstone Diagnostic and it was early stage and they have a home sperm count kit for couples who are trying to get pregnant. And it's a digital health solution. So it is a medical device, but it has a software component where you can track and trend your sperm count over time. And it gives suggestions like, don't wear tidy whities don't go into hot tubs, try to lose some weight. And so what you can do is you can track activities and associate it with the, the change in your sperm count. So um, that one, I was like, this absolutely needs to happen in the world. Fertility issues are 50% male and 50% female. So this was giving, uh, well, couples actually a, a tool so they wouldn't have to go into a lab, which is uncomfortable and awkward and expensive, and they could do this in the comfort of their own home. The next company I I invested in was a company called Zoom. It's also based here in the Bay Area and uh, a female founder on this one. And it's uh, on-demand and scheduled rides and care for for kids ages 5 to 15. So 10 and a half years ago, the reason my husband had to stop working as a police officer is because we couldn't find a nanny. We couldn't find anybody to help us out when our kids were little. And so I just saw in Zoom, oh my God, I was like, if this had existed, my husband would have continued to work because the thing that's great about this is you can schedule it in advance or it can be a very last minute thing. They can take your kid to, let's say, a karate class or a gymnastics class and they can actually wait there rather than 
you know, calling a Lyft or an Uber, which you don't want to do with your six-year-old or your seven-year-old. Or if you need someone to stick around at your house for just a little bit longer until you get home, they, they provide this. And I was like, this is something the world needs. And that's a question that I always asked with my investments. Is this something that the world needs? Does the world need my health teams? Yes. Did it need sandstone diagnostics? Yes. Did it need Zoom? Yes. One of my favorites too, it's Tomboy X. And I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's it started out as undergarments for women who didn't want to be shopping in the men's department for things. So it was a primary lesbian market initially. Uh, to, uh, a lesbian couple out of Seattle started this, and it has really a much broader appeal. I mean, my my daughter's been wearing the the boy briefs uh, for you know a couple years because they're incredibly comfortable. They're stylish and. They now have swimwear, they now have loungewear, bras, they have all sorts of things, and it's incredibly comfortable. So if you don't want to shop in Victoria's Secret, it's garments that are made for every body. I like investing in companies where the founders had a lived experience, and so they were creating something from their own experience. And I think it makes it much easier to build those kinds of companies when you can directly relate to whatever it is, whoever you're end consumer is going to be. I invested in a tactical haptics company. And the the reason why I invested in that, because it seems a little bit odd. Um, I did go through a little bit of a VR kick at one point, but I saw it because the it's a it's a haptic feedback controller for VR, but where I see a great potential is in surgical training. So really in from an educational perspective. So it ties into my desire to invest in companies that help improve, have something that help improve people's lives. As a woman or as someone, doesn't matter, men or women, who want to invest in these companies or to do what you do, what are some of the suggestions you have for them, such as, you know, you should have X amount of dollars in saving and to be able to safely invest in, you know, X percentage of that. So I think people ask these questions all the time. I'm, all the time, I'm sure I want to, I'm sure in your mini episodes coming up uh, for your show, those 10-minute episodes, you'll go into a lot of the details, which I encourage my listeners to check it out. But for now, while they're listening to this, what are some of kind of high-level advice that you would have for for that? Okay. So, so first of all, if you want to invest as an angel investor, you generally need to be an accredited investor. And if you Google accredited investor, you'll be able to see there's specific rules around it. It has to do with whether you're married or single. It's it's either based on your income or your assets, including your or excluding your house. And so you have to meet a certain threshold. What was interesting is uh, a couple of years ago, Obama passed, I think it was called the Jobs Act, which made it so that non-accredited investors could invest up to, and I, I'm not going to say, it was like maybe up, up to $100,000 or certain percentage of something in startups. And there are platforms like Seed Invest out of New York City um, enable non-accredited investors to be able to invest. Something like AngelList, you have to be an accredited investor to be able to invest in their, you know, through their syndicates. Um, if you're interested in getting started in angel investing, I really recommend reading Jason Calacanis's book, Angel, Angel the Book. And what you can do actually, Faye, is I literally just wrote this post today on Medium is you could just use, include the link because I include that book, Venture Deals by Brad Feld. There are a bunch of podcasts that I recommend listening to just to get familiar with terminology and 
uh, understand. But I think Jason talks about in his book, uh, Angel, I think he talks about allocating a certain amount, setting aside, because startups, it's a really high risk asset class. And for the most part, you you kind of have to assume that you're writing a check and you just never expect to get it back. You hope that you get it back, but you have to know, you have to be comfortable with potentially never seeing that money again. So when I started angel investing, I allocated a certain amount. I figured I was going to do it for two years. I was calling it my real life PhD. I invested twice that amount. I've now set a new limit and I'm doing what's called an evergreen fund where I'm only going to invest up until that amount. And then when I have exits, then I will take that money and then I will reinvest that. And that way I can preserve the rest of my portfolio and not continue to erode into my kids' college funds as I find interesting startups to invest in. So that's going to take a little bit of discipline on my part. But uh, Angel the Book is probably a great place to start. I don't, Jason and I disagree on a couple of things in terms of the types of investments and our our value systems are a little bit different, but really, really great information in that book. And I would start with that book. And there's um, the 20 Minute VC is a great podcast that Harry Stebbings does. Uh, I would listen to it religiously for at least a year and a half until I realized he didn't have enough women on that. And I pushed back and I was like, come on, get some more women on here. And he said he tried. So I only listened to the, the episodes with women on there. And that's a really great one. If you're an accredited investor, I would look into AngelList, into potentially investing through the syndicates just to, because you can do small dollar amounts without, you can do $2,000, you can do $5,000 and you don't have to write $50,000 or $100,000 checks. I think there's a, 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 misunderst- <coughs> a misunderstanding and thinking that to be an angel investor, you have to write $100,000 checks. My average check size is ten dollars to $15,000. So, and in some cases I've doubled and tripled down. So my investments in some companies are more than ten dollars or $15,000, but not a huge, huge amount. And you asked about the percentage. That's really going to have to do with what your portfolio composition is, what your risk tolerance is, and you have to decide what that is. There are, I think Jason has in his book, I think he's got some rules of thumb, but the good news is that there's no single path into angel investing. And that's one of the things that I really want to make sure is really clear for a lot of women, especially who are generally not big risk takers. And the, the problem is, is that we need to be bigger risk takers from a financial perspective to be solid from a financial perspective later on in life. We need to take more of those risks that men have traditionally taken. Sally Krawcheck talks about this in on a lot of the stuff that she, um, she talks about. And I, I really do agree with her that we need to um, set aside some part of our asset class into higher risk assets, invest intelligently so we can have the potential for bigger outcomes. Because simply putting stuff into a mutual fund or putting stuff into a bank account is not going to grow our wealth. And if we get paid 73, 75 cents or 78 cents on the dollar for every man, we already know that we're behind the curve for later on. So we have to start taking more risks. Hi there, it's me again. I want to thank you very much for listening to this episode and I hope you were able to learn a few things. 
If you enjoy what you heard, it would be hugely helpful if you could subscribe to the Face Royal podcast. It literally takes seconds. If you're on your mobile phone, just search for Face Royal podcast in the podcast app on iPhone or an Android app such as Podcast Addict and click subscribe. All new episodes will be delivered to you automatically. Thanks so much for your support.